Hi, my name is Jonathan Darty, and I'm the founder of Gateway to Freedom, and I used to be addicted to porn and sex. Gateway to Freedom is our workshop for men who want to overcome any kind of sexual struggle or stronghold. It's conducted over three days in a safe, private setting with professional counselors and experts in dealing with sexual brokenness issues. Now, space at each workshop is limited to ensure the highest quality of personal attention. And the workshop is available throughout the year in several locations around the United States. Hundreds of men over the years have found hope and healing through Gateway to Freedom, and I believe you can too. Our next workshop is coming up September 27th through the 29th in Pennsylvania. You can register by calling 1-800-49-PURITY, that's 1-800-497-8748, or by visiting BeBroken.com. Good day, listeners. Welcome to this edition of the Pure Sex Radio broadcast. My name is Jonathan. I'm glad you decided to join us today. I'm going to share with you a special uh, sermon that I did recently at a church to try to answer the question, how do you say thank you to God? Uh, It may seem like a strange question, but I think it's important that we look at this every now and then, especially since we live in a culture that is increasingly ungrateful. Uh, I think uh, being offended is like a national pastime now in our in our world. And, and I think it's important for us to remember that one of the components of godly character, one of the keys to integrity, is having a grateful heart. So how do we say thank you to the one who has given us the greatest gift of all, his only son, Jesus Christ? Uh, we'd like to say thank you to you, especially those of you who have uh, come alongside and partnered with us. We're grateful for your partnership and, and how it helps us to continue to keep these radio programs going. If you'd like to learn more about our ministry and the ways that you can come alongside and partner, please go to puresexradio.com and uh, click on the donate link. Hope that this message blesses you and and helps you think more seriously about uh, your own gratitude and thankfulness in your life day to day. So when someone does something nice for you or kind, it's appropriate to be grateful, right? So if, if someone buys you a cup of coffee or gives you a compliment or pays for the remaining tuition of your oldest daughter's first year in college, any takers on that? That's where we're at. Our, our oldest just left for college two weeks ago, and so we're like, oh my goodness. No, but any kind of, any kind of kindness that somebody shows to you, it's just natural to then say thank you, right? I mean, unless you've got an incredibly hard heart, <laughs> but there's just an, it seems appropriate to be grateful. But wouldn't you agree that there are degrees of gratefulness? Meaning, not all acts produce the same level of gratefulness in us. So, for instance, if somebody opens a door for you, you're like, hey, thanks, that's really nice. If somebody gives you their kidney to, like, save your life, you have a different degree of gratitude, right? You, it's way more. So how, then, are we to express gratitude to God? Think of the gift that he has given to us, the gift that is greater than any other gift in value, that is the life of his only son, Jesus Christ. How do you say thank you to that? And then add to that fact that he is giving that gift to undeserving sinners like us. And I know all too well just how undeserving I am 
of God's kindness and grace. See, I, had, I did have the great privilege and honor of being raised in a home that was a Christian home. My parents loved God. I was in church. I was taught the good news of the gospel at a young age. Even at six years old, with six-year-old childlike faith, I placed my trust in Jesus Christ as my only hope of being made right with God. But when I was 12, I was introduced to something that would take root in my life, and, and later on I would pick up myself, and it would become an idol, an idol of rebellion against this wonderful gift of grace and kindness of God. And that thing that was introduced into my life at 12 years old was pornography. And I had no clue what that was. I had no context for that. I, I didn't know how to respond to that. And I didn't tell anybody about that. And it became my secret. And so all throughout junior high and high school, that became my escape for just dealing with stress or anything else in life that was too much for me to handle. This started creating a divided life where I began to do what I call image building, which is constructing an image of myself that then I would present at work or I would present at school or I would present at home or certainly I would present at church that people go, man, what an awesome guy that Jonathan is. He's such a nice, godly, Christian kid. That was the image. What was happening behind the image was, in a very real way, my soul was decaying. See, I think all of us have hearts that are prone to image building. We prefer to actually make life about ourselves rather than what God made us for, which was to be an image bearer. We were meant to actually bear God's image, not our own. We were meant to actually build God's kingdom, not our own. But sin has this insidious way of causing us to keep thinking that life is all about ourselves. And that's really what porn was teaching. That's what this dividedness was teaching me is make life all about yourself, Jonathan. Make it all about your urges, your desires, your wants. So as I got into college, then I pressed beyond just pornography and started acting out in other ways. And then, as any good Christian young man would do, I, I got married because that's the solution to all problems with sexual you know, brokenness, right? Just get married. Now, while I think there is absolutely wonderful instruction from our Creator that says He does have a design for sex, and He does have a context for it in marriage, I think in some ways we have oversold that message to young people to make them start to think marriage will solve all of my problems with lust. It doesn't. If anything, it magnifies them. Because now I'm living with another person and starting to realize, oh, I'm still carrying the brokenness that I brought into this relationship. It didn't just magically disappear because now I've got a ring on my finger. So not yet knowing how or being willing to deal with this brokenness in my life and actually bring it out into the light, I kept it in the dark and it started to grow again. And eventually it destroyed my marriage. It went beyond things like pornography, and then I started being unfaithful to my spouse. This was right around the time the Internet came out. And in the summer of 1999, I was at my lowest point. I was depressed and suicidal. Uh, my wife had actually made the right move and left. She said, I've drawn a, drawn a line in the sand. I'm not going to, you know, be subject to this hurt anymore. And 
unbeknownst to her, God used her leaving as the catalyst to bring a newfound brokenness into my own life. Our ministry is actually named Be Broken because it kind of has a double meaning. There's an aspect of brokenness that we can see how sin leverages, right, in our brokenness and in our sinfulness. But there's also an aspect of brokenness in which God responds. God tells us in his word that he actually cannot reject or refuse a broken and contrite heart. And my wife leaving broke me. And I returned to the God who saved me at the age of six. And since 1999, I've been on a journey of recovery and growth. What does it look like now to live life from this foundation of grace and truth? Not from a foundation of trying to be an image builder, but rather from a foundation of what does it look like to bear the image of God in the world? What does it look like to actually live the way he has designed me to live in all aspects, not just my sexuality? Well, little by little, God started producing incredible changes in my life. I won't say that the journey has been easy. We never lie to people. <laughs> we don't tell them that, hey, you know, listen, if you just have the right intentions and you get your life pointed in the right direction, it's all rosy. To be honest with you, I think that's another way in which we, um, we in a, incorrectly sell the gospel to people. Come to Jesus and your life will be great. Actually, come to Jesus and your life will be saved. But that doesn't mean that all your circumstances just get rosy all of a sudden. In fact, if you really understand the gospel, you realize that he's, he does not save us in order to leave us in our current condition. Guess what that means? Walls are going to get knocked down. <laughs> he's going to completely turn our whole lives upside down for our own good. So on this journey, one of the amazing things that God did in my life was he actually restored my marriage. Nine months after my wife and I had been separated, God reconciled us. And uh, we, this December, will celebrate 24 years of marriage to, to the glory of God. And so my wife is actually here. My mom's actually here, too. So she's getting to celebrate this time with us. But um, God has used my wife in so many ways to be a tangible picture of the grace of God. I think sometimes... We have concepts in our minds, and certainly we have the scriptures to look to, and we can, we can see the very real life of Jesus, right, in terms of what he did to offer himself for us and the grace that he showed to us. But sometimes God gives us glimpses in our own personal lives. He, he, he gives us a glimpse of himself with skin on. Like, I can read about Jesus, and I can know Jesus through his word, and I certainly can know him through his spirit, but he is not manifest to me physically in front of me, at least not at this point in history. And yet God has been kind to give me manifestations like that through my wife who showed me what grace really looks like, undeserved kindness. And I hope that you also have some pictures in your own life of how God has manifest himself to you in some people, maybe in some seasons in your life, where somebody showed you an undeserved kindness on a deep and profound level, because I believe that's what the grace of God is all about. Well, then uh, we started having kids, and we've got three kids. The oldest is in college. Um, my second son is in uh, a senior in high school, and then my youngest daughter is in uh, 10th grade. So we're like in full-on launch mode. You know, they're all, they're all grown up. 
And I was joking with, uh, we've known the Billingsleys for many, many years, uh, uh, Robert as well as uh, George and Paula. And uh, George and Paula, we've known for a long, long time. And I was joking with George in between services. I said, you know, it's funny how when, when your kids are little and people like George and Paula are saying, hey, man, it's going to go fast. You're like, yeah, whatever, whatever. You know, and here we are. It's like, oh, my goodness, we blinked, and now they're about to be gone. Uh, but God gives us, an, those are pictures of grace too. Do you ever realize that children are an undeserved gift from God? That we get this incredible stewardship opportunity with these little lives that we are to train up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. That's another grace of God. But then in 2003, God called me into full-time ministry with three words. He said, tell your story. I said, I don't want to. And I wrestled with God for a while because I was like, I mean, you just heard my story. It's not that flattering on me. My history is awful. I'm ashamed of the things that I did in my history. And so I, I, I did a little bargaining with God. By the way, if you do that, you'll walk with a limp the rest of your life, okay? I, I did a little bargaining with God. I was like, God, listen, I, I'm, I'm thrilled. I want to tell people all about your grace. And it's as if God would say, how will they know about my grace if they don't know what it's for? See, if you try to talk about God's grace without telling what it's supplied to, you don't really understand it. So the reason I'm sharing all of this about my story is because as we think about the issue of gratitude, do you understand what the grace of God is actually for in your life? Have you been able to soberly look in your own life? Maybe you don't have a story like mine. Maybe you haven't gone to the depths of darkness that I have gone to in my history. But the Bible says that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Have you taken some time to soberly look at your life and look at the ways in which you have willfully chosen to make decisions outside of God's word, outside of God's will and design for your life? And yet, no matter how far you have wandered, he says, I love you anyway, and I won't stop loving you. I won't stop showing kindness to you. I won't stop calling you my child. I will never quit on you. That's grace. That's a profound grace. But sometimes we struggle with how do I actually express my gratitude back to God for what he has done in my life? So let's turn in God's word to get some picture maybe of how we can best express our gratitude to God. Turn with me to Psalm 116. Psalm 116. Psalm is, the Psalms are pretty much smack dab in the middle of your Bible. So if you aim for the middle of your Bible, you're probably going to hit Psalms, and we're going to be looking at Psalm chapter 116. Now this Psalm comes in the middle of, of a, a section of, of Psalms that are called the Hallel Psalms. And Hallel in Hebrew literally means praise. So these are praise Psalms. It's Psalm 113 through 118 is called the Hallel Psalms. Now these Psalms traditionally, and by the way, the Psalms are the songbook of the, of the Jews. It was the songbook of the Hebrews. And so Psalm 113 through 118 would be sung as, as part of the, the, the annual Passover tradition. And the Passover was the time in which all the Israelites would celebrate God's rescuing them out of bondage in Egypt and setting them free and taking them to the promised land. And so these would be the songs 
that the Jews would sing as part of that celebration feast. So we're going to take a look at Psalm 116 and try to get a picture of how do we best express our gratitude back to God for his kindness to us, for his rescue of us. Because, by the way, the Passover was the foreshadowing of what Jesus would offer to us. Because the final plague on the Egyptians, in order to finally release them from bondage, was when the Jews were instructed to take the blood of the Lamb and put it on the doorposts of their house so that when the angel of death would pass over to take the firstborn son of every resident in Egypt, he would see the blood and he would pass over that house. And Jesus is the Lamb of the world, or the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. So when his blood that was shed for us is applied to us through faith, the angel of death passes over because we have been given eternal life through Jesus Christ. So that's the connection here. These songs were sung in celebration and remembrance and gratitude of the Passover related to Egypt, but we can still sing them today because we have the Lamb of God who covers us. Let's read Psalm 116, starting in verse 1. It says, I love the Lord because he has heard my voice and my pleas for mercy. Because he inclined his ear to me, therefore I will call on him as long as I live. The snares of death encompassed me. The pangs of Sheol laid hold on me. I suffered distress and anguish. Then I called on the name of the Lord. O Lord, I pray, deliver my soul. Gracious is the Lord and righteous. Our God is merciful. The Lord preserves the simple. When I was brought low, he saved me. Return, O my soul, to your rest, for the Lord has dealt bountifully with you. For you've delivered my soul from death, my eyes from tears, my feet from stumbling. I will walk before the Lord in the land of the living. I believed even when I spoke, I am greatly afflicted. I said in my alarm, all mankind are liars. What shall I render to the Lord for all his benefits to me? I will lift up the cup of salvation and call on the name of the Lord. I will pay my vows to the Lord in the presence of all his people. Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. O Lord, I am your servant. I am your servant, the son of your maidservant. You have loosed my bonds. I will offer to you the sacrifice of thanksgiving and call on the name of the Lord. I will pay my vows to the Lord in the presence of all his people in the courts of the house of the Lord in your midst, O Jerusalem. Praise the Lord. So I want to share with you three ways as we look at this psalm that I believe we can express our gratitude back to God for his deliverance of us, for his kindness to us, for his grace and salvation toward us. The first way that I think we can express our gratitude to God is through our words. Through our words. Uh, the simplest way to say thank you is to say thank you. Like, use your words. I mean, that's what the psalmist is actually doing here, right? Using words to express gratitude to God. Throughout the psalm, he says, I will call on the name of the Lord. I will call on the name of the Lord. That's an act of his will. But how do you call on someone? You have to use your words. But when my kids were little and they would, uh, they would just be having all kinds of emotion, because I think kids are just little like emotion containers. You know, they just have emotion all the time. 
And sometimes, especially when they were frustrated, and they'd just be kind of bursting, we would say, use your words. The reality is, is when you, when you think about the grace of God, I hope it wells up in you emotion. But the clearest way to communicate your thoughts and your feelings is with words. So as the emotion is bubbling up, as you are thinking about the grace and goodness of God in your life, and I love that song. By the way, we didn't plan that. I love that song, goodness chases after me, goodness is running after me, all my goodness is running. As you think about the goodness of God and how it continues to chase you down, use your words to thank God. And if you're struggling with what words to use, God loves it when we use his very own to say back to him. Use Psalm 116.1, I love you, Lord, because you heard my voice and my pleas for mercy. This is the songbook of the Hebrews, right? And so this is written under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. So I promise you, you won't go wrong using these words to express your gratitude to God. So if you need a place to start, I would encourage you this week, read through the Hillel, Psalm 113 through 118, and use it as an act of using your words to be able to express your gratitude. Secondly, though, I believe we express our gratitude through our works, what we do. Now understand that there's a difference between expressing gratitude through works for the grace of God because of the grace of God, than expressing gratitude through your works in order to earn the grace of God. You can't earn grace. It's a free gift. I love the way Philip Yancey puts it. He puts it this way. If we, complete, if we comprehend what Christ has done for us, then surely out of gratitude we will strive to live worthy of such great love. But we will strive for holiness not to make God love us, but because he already does. So when we're talking about uh, doing works as an expression of our gratitude, we need to be careful of those things that want to creep in that say, and if I do a little bit more, God's going to put a little more favor on me. No, no, no. The favor that God has on you is complete in Christ Jesus. You can't add to the favor that God has for you through Christ. You can't add to his grace. And so therefore, if you try to do works in, in order to try to get God to, to look with more favor on you, you're, it's an exercise in futility. Because he already says, I've, I'm loving you as completely as I possibly can love you. So actually doing good works doesn't increase God's love for us any more than sinning decreases God's love for us. His love was perfected because his son is perfect. And so therefore, because we have the son, we have the perfect love of the Father. So the good works are more out of recognizing as, as the, the grace of God gets deeper and deeper into our bones, so to speak. The more we actually understand that he loves us because he loves us because he loves us. Remember what I said? When somebody does something nice for you, isn't it right and appropriate to express gratitude? That's the motivation for our works in response to God's, to God's grace. The motivation is gratitude. 
I know how undeserving I am of His love and His grace. And yet He says, I love you anyway. How can I not respond by then obeying His Word? And see, the other thing about works being an expression of gratitude to God is that they reinforce our words. I bet every single person in here knows somebody who's really good with words. We like to say they talk a good game, right? But then you know their character. And how do you know a person's character? By what they do. So you might have a person that's got great words. I mean, they can talk a great game. But their actions do not back up their words. I think we can fall into that same trap here. Oh, on a Sunday morning, we got words for Jesus. We got words for God. But then on Monday, we close this, put it away, say, I'm going to do my own thing. See, our expression of gratitude, remember, we don't do this for God's favor or for His grace, but we sure, if we understand grace, I promise you, more and more, day by day, your desire to please God will change. Because you won't be on a treadmill of works trying to say, God, do you love me? God, do you love me today? Do you like me more today? No, you'll be like, He loves me completely. And out of that, I want to serve Him completely. Uh, we're told in Ephesians 2.10 that we were actually made for good works. God prepared good works and says, Hey, I've got good stuff for you. Now quit trying to earn my favor. I've already prepared these works. You just need to step into them and do them from a heart of gratitude. You know, um, this week, my childhood pastor in Temple, pastor of Temple Bible Church, Gary DeSalvo, passed away. He had a six-year battle with ocular melanoma. And uh, I've known that man since I was nine years old. He was the pastor that I grew up. He was the pastor that really helped me and my whole family really grasp uh, uh, firmly what the Bible teaches about God's grace. But you know what? More than anything about his life that impressed me as a young boy, as a young man, and even now, was the integrity with which he lived his life. See, he didn't just say words of gratitude to God. He lived a life of gratitude to God. Even so much so, he had such a perspective on him and his relationship to God that even in his last week of life, when he's in incredible pain, one night he was having a really, really bad night with pain. And one of his friends says, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry, I wish I could do something. And Gary's response was, my Savior was scourged for me. My Savior was beaten for me. I can take this. He still had an attitude of gratitude towards his Savior. He could have, he could have started getting angry. He could have started getting bigger, bitter. But it wasn't just his words that expressed gratitude to God. It was his actions. He lived it. And finally, I think we express our gratitude to God through our worship. Through our worship. The psalm talks about saying, I love the Lord. But it also says that the psalmist says, 
I'll, I'll pay my vows to the Lord in the presence of all his people. There's a sense of worship. And God is the only one that's actually worthy of this worship. And, and if you look at the how the Hillel begins and how it ends, in Psalm 113, starting in verse 1, it says this, Praise the Lord. Praise, O servants of the Lord. Praise the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord from this time forth and forevermore. From the rising of the sun to its setting, the name of the Lord is to be praised. And then the very end of the Hillel, Psalm 118, starting in verse 28, it says, You are my God, and I will give thanks to you. You are my God, I will extol you. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for He is good, for His steadfast love endures forever. You know, I'm confident that if you would take just a few minutes this week, hopefully a few minutes each day, and sit and meditate, pondering the grace of God. Just pondering the goodness of God. Not in some abstract way. Not in some God out there in the universe way. But the grace of God that came down in the very real person of Jesus Christ who walked among us, who became flesh to experience this life so that he could give us eternal life. Ponder the grace of God and how that has intersected with your own life. And, and I'm confident that if you do that, your, your words will start to change. Your, your works will begin to change. And, and certainly your worship will, will change. I believe at the foundation of our life as a follower of Jesus must be gratitude. If we start veering off from a grateful heart, start thinking that there's anything that we've brought to our salvation or even to our sanctification, if we think that there's anything that we have done to sort of earn God's love, let's be very, very careful of that. Because when you start veering off in that direction, you lose your sense of gratitude. You lose your gratefulness. Here's one thing I learned, and I'll close with this. When I was living my divided life, projecting an image, but rotting on the inside, increasingly I was becoming a self-centered man. Did you know self-centeredness is absolutely contrary to thankfulness? Because did you know that the only direction that thankfulness can go is outside of yourself? You have to say, thank you. And that's why we've got to kind of measure our own hearts on this issue of gratitude because we might be saying the right words, but our works and our worship are not lining up because we may be having a self-centered focus. I said that was last thing. One final thing I want to share with you is how these expressions of gratitude line up with what God has told us is the greatest commandment. This is told for us in Deuteronomy 6, but also reiterated by Jesus in the New Testament. We are told that the greatest commandment is to love God with all of our heart, soul, and might, or strength. When you think about it, all your heart. The, the Hebrew word actually for heart 
uh, throughout most of the Old Testament is actually literally kidneys. I always used to think, that's weird. God wants me to love him with all my kidneys, you know. But to a Hebrew reader, what that meant when they talk about heart is they mean the inwardmost part of your being. So we think of heart in kind of just like this emotional, you know, almost romantic term. No, God was saying your guts, like where you have your deepest thoughts, where you have your deepest desires, from there is where I want you to love me. Well, guess what's in the deepest part of us? Words. What we are thinking deep down, what's in the middle of our, our being. And so to love God with all your heart is to express gratitude through your words. But then all your soul, that's the spiritual part of us. And God is saying, I want you to love me with all of your soul. Bring me your worship. Show me your gratitude through worship. And then all of your strength or your might. Let your works be in line with your words and your worship. So this week, let's be people who cultivate an attitude of thankfulness and just see what might happen in terms of how that not only transforms your own life, but how it actually pours out as a blessing of grace on other people's lives around you. Well, listeners, I hope that that message uh, blessed you. I hope that it challenged you to think about how you're using your words, um, how you're using your worship and your works to express gratitude to God. He is the one that is the most deserving of our thanks. And I pray that that thankfulness to God will then overflow in your life to others. If you've got uh, questions for us or just maybe you need some encouragement in your own personal journey of, of life and recovery, please reach out to us. We'd love to help you. You can uh, go to us online at puresexradio.com or you can certainly hit us up on Twitter at puresexradio. But we're grateful to have you as listeners and we look forward to seeing you back here again next week on the Pure Sex Radio broadcast. Take care. Pure Sex Radio is paid for by Be Broken Ministries. Visit us online at puresexradio.com.